I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Thursday, July 20th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup kicked off in Auckland, New Zealand early this morning. With more teams than ever before, it's already said to be a historic event now. For all the soccer curious and soccer fans out there, here are some fast facts. The tourney, co-hosted by Australia and New Zealand, will see its highest attendance ever, with 1.4 million tickets sold for the 64 matches. The dastardly US is odds-on favorite to win the whole thing, trailed by England and Germany. Canada has the ninth best odds overall, and the GOAT, Christian Sinclair, might become the first player to score in six World Cups. Brazilian star Marta is also looking to earn that honor. And Jay, this is that time-tested tradition of testing your loyalty. Who will you be cheering for in the upcoming Women's World Cup? In nearly everything else, I will root for Canada. In women's soccer, I just can't. I'm too much a fan of Megan Rapinoe. Anybody who's a Facebook friend of mine, which really dates me in many, many ways, but I have a big picture of Megan Rapinoe. I'm a big fan. And um, yeah, I just have to work for the Women's World Cup team from the US. So I apologize. Although I do like Christine Sinclair, obviously. Big fan of the Canadian team too, but I'm going to pick one. I'm going to pick the winner. I really don't like Megan Rapinoe. What? Uh, so I do not cheer for the US Women's National Team at all. I hope they fail in their quest to win a World Cup. I'm not well, a fan at all. Should be an interesting few weeks then. Go back a few tournaments and just see how the U.S. women's national team played against some other teams and some of the behavior. I didn't like it. And so anyways, that's my that's my take on it on the U.S. women's national team. I'm cheering for Canada all the way. And I wish nothing but the best because I'm a patriot. It'll be uh, we can talk about it for the next few weeks <laughs> on the podcast. Brett, aside from the Women's World Cup kicking off today, what do we have for Peak Pals? For our first story, Canada wants its new tax now. For our second story, bosses want to boss from home. And for our last story, Alberta's open for business. For our first story, at the age of 156, Canada is going through a rebellious phase. Brett, how are we like a 16-year-old? Yeah, so last week, Canada was one of just five OECD nations that refused to approve the extension of a freeze on implementing new digital services taxes, DSTs, until 2025 putting it on a collision course with the U.S., which spearheaded the measure. Brett, the pause is meant to give the OECD time to ratify an ambitious set of new global tax rules, but Canada plans to roll out its DST, which would target revenue foreign big tech companies make in Canada in 2024, regardless if those rules are actually set. Now, it's happening because like a child waking up at 6 a.m. on Christmas, the feds feel they have waited long enough. They want the $4 billion the DST is estimated to generate over its first five years and are tired of Canada falling behind OECD countries that have existing DSTs. And it matters because experts worry that the U.S. will dispute the move under the CUSMA free trade agreement on the grounds that it violates national treatment and market access commitments and could undermine the CUSMA's future when it undergoes review in 2026. The bottom line is the OECD thinks that per Financial Times, a sudden influx of DSDs would be an obstacle for its new tax rules. Having a, this is quote, having a patchwork of national measures would defeat the purpose of agreeing on a coordinated global fix. Now, Canada is on board with the OECD's new rules and is hopeful it will get a deal done soon, but has no plans to wait on it. For a second story, who's leading the return to office resistance? Well, it's actually not entitled millennials. So, you know, you got to give me a break there, but their bosses 
which in some cases I am as well. So anyways, this is a surprising take. How will you explain, Jay? I will try. Well, employees earning over $150,000 U.S. represent the largest share of the workforce that prefers to work from home. This according to McKinsey. After all, it's tough to give up taking calls from the lake house, sneaking a midday workout or nap, or running errands between meetings. The same group said they were more likely to quit their jobs and come back to the office every day and would give up 20% of their salary to keep working remotely. And it matters because to attract and retain top performers, employers are continuing to offer up flexibility rather than lose talent to the competition. But when the boss isn't in the office, the next generation of talent can't access mentoring and career development opportunities. A new study called The Power of Proximity says experienced workers can be more productive remotely while new workers may miss out on learning opportunities. The bottom line is this. Executives have an outsized influence on a company's culture and in-person attendance. As some of Canada's biggest employers, including banks and law firms, look to lure back workers, widespread adoption, or RTO, will rely on the bosses buying in as well. For our third story, the world's biggest rodeo isn't all barrel racing and politicians flipping pancakes, but an opportunity for Calgary to lure residents and investors to the city. The first Calgary Stampede went ahead in 1912 after the city's big four businessmen and ranchers agreed to bankroll the event for $100,000. That's worth almost $3 million today. Since then, it's become a 10-day money maker that just ended last week. But why should we care about a rodeo, though? Well, provinces are battling to attract talent and investment to their cities. Alberta, in particular, rolled out the welcome mat for new residents by way of a recruitment campaign promising lower taxes, high wages, and a better quality of life. An event like the Stampede is an opportunity for a city to impress millions of attendees from around the world. Get the right tech executive fired up at the chug wagon race, and they might just think, this place is awesome, should I invest? And that's the energy the province needs as Alberta continues to lead in net interprovincial migration growth, hitting 11,000 people in the last quarter of 2022. Those people are going to need more housing, more services, and a supply of high-paying jobs to live the dream they've been promised. As Western parties draw to a close and food vendors start brainstorming wacky combinations for next year, I'm thinking maybe a ketchup ice cream. We're just glad that everyone had a great time at Stampede. And you know what, Jay, we should try to go next year. It's fun. It's on. Pete Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett, and have a great day, Peak Pals. Peak Pals.